Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 130 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking about designing an accessible online course with Brandy Good. I'm so excited to have Brandy on the podcast today to cover this topic. She shares how business owners and course creators should think about accessibility when it comes to courses and the benefits of having an accessible course for both students and business owners. You'll learn what you need to include to make video lessons accessible and how to set up your course so it's easy for students to find the information they need. Brandy also talks about alternate formats of lessons to help students and the types of supplemental materials that don't actually help. Brandy Good is a system specialist and tech integrator supporting businesses that need to spend less time on frustrating tech work and more time on generating revenue. With caregiving responsibilities that require an online business that runs without her, Brandy knows that you need to systematize your biz to be successful and aims to help businesses create streamlined systems and automations. If you like this episode or it was helpful to you, I would love it if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Lemon and the Sea and let us know that you liked this episode. Hi, Brandy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So we read your bio at the beginning of the show, but can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in your business? So I have a weird and winding journey. So I decided to start my own business partially because I was so stressed out at my nine to five and they just... It wasn't working for my mental health. It wasn't working for my lifestyle. I had a husband who was dealing with a lot of serious medical issues. And so I was helping to care for him. We were doing like a lot of doctor's visits, hospital visits, all of that kind of stuff. And even though my workplace was very understanding of everything, the whole place overall was just kind of toxic. And so having to deal with those two stressful situations... I just decided something like something's got to give. <laughs> I can't magically fix my husband's health, but I can quit my job. And so that was just the moment that was like, well, I'm going to work for myself. And it was just a matter of trying to figure out what do I like to do? What am I good at doing? And I kind of started out doing tech stuff um, like business analysis, project management, And that weirdly evolved into like, I guess, more kind of traditional VA work where suddenly people were like, well, you can, you know, computers, you manage my social media, like, like the two are in my brain, they're so far apart, but most people are like, oh, computers, you're good Mm -hmm. at them. (laughs) So yeah, it evolved into like social media and marketing but I don't really enjoy the hands-on aspect of that. So I kind of evolved it into training, coaching, workshops. But I still found I preferred teaching people like the technical aspects of, you know, here's how you use a platform. Here's a tool you can use to make a video. And not so much the here's how you make an effective strategy. So I kept, I kept getting drawn back into more of the techie side. 
and then eventually I was just like, you know what, let's just go full out on tech. And so I just, I had to like, just make a big business announcement and be like, okay, from now on, I'm not doing any sort of strategy um, unless it's what tech should I use? Like <laughs> that kind of strategy and just change. That was in 2018. I made that big shift and it was just like, okay, we're tech focused, we're system focused automations and stuff like that. And then it's been good ever since. I love that you shared that you have really had to take the time to narrow in on things. I think so many times we see people who are like this overnight success uh, at really like awesome at this one thing. And we don't realize there's a whole story behind that of times where they said yes to a client because they just wanted to get paid or they didn't want to say no. And I love hearing how that, how people came to what they're doing. How long did it take you to really hit play on the tech stuff in 2018? So the the catalyst for that was so at December 2017, my husband got a heart transplant. So that was kind of wrapping up all of his serious health issues. So that was that was years. But we had to move to another city temporarily because the city we live in doesn't have the facilities to do that kind of thing. So we were living out of a hotel and I was sort of working, but not really working. And of course, there were times when I could go a whole day and I didn't want to do any work, but I'd be up at like midnight. And it's like, well, if I had something to do, I totally want to do this. And I had a couple of clients who were like, hey, you know, I know you're busy and maybe you don't want to do this, but let me know. And it was sort of like techie behind the scenes things that it wasn't like a coaching session or a consulting session where I had to be there with them one-on-one. They were just like, can you do this thing or figure out this thing or what should I use here? And I'm like, well, I could do this in the middle of the night. I could do this while I'm sitting in a waiting room. I could do this anywhere. And this was the stuff that I liked most when I was doing it for myself as well. And it kind of just all of that just kind of coalesced. And I was like, wait a second, (laughs) this really fits with like the flexible schedule I need. This is stuff I really like to do anyway. So why am I not charging people for this? Like Mm -hmm. this is the thing I really enjoy that I would spend hours doing for myself with no pay. Other people don't like this, so they will pay me to do it. So yeah, that was how that little, that other light bulb went off. But to get from right when I started my business to that point, so that was 2018. So that was like almost six years. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a a longer, long journey to figure out what it is you really wanted to do your zone of genius. (laughs) I think that's just really good for people to hear that you don't have to know when you start your business exactly what you want to do forever. Yeah. So today we're talking specifically about courses and creating an accessible course. Uh, And this is part of what you help your clients do. Um, So let's do a quick overview about how you recommend we think about accessibility when it comes to courses to kind of get the foundation here. Right. So I want to preface it by saying like, I'm not an accessibility expert. So everything is just like lessons learned. 
sometimes the hard way, sometimes by people just saying, hey, you know, it would be great if you did this. So my own experience taking courses and then the experiences of my clients about things that they need in their courses or things that their students had asked for um, that, you know, I probably never would have thought of. And then just find people saying, hey, this is, if you did this, I could consume this content, but if you don't do that, I can't. (laughs) So it's just about removing barriers. Um, And it doesn't have to be things that are a ton of work, or if they are a little bit of work, as a business owner, as a course creator, you have to recognize that time or that investment into removing whatever that barrier is, is going to pay off in the end. Because just because someone, you know, might have a physical or cognitive challenges, they have internet accessibility issues, they have different learning styles, just because they fall into one of those categories or they have one of those barriers, it doesn't mean they're not your ideal student. Everyone wants to learn, everyone wants to improve their lives, their business. And if they like what you're talking about, what you're writing about, and they can pay for your course, then why are we excluding them? Like there's there's just no reason for it. So yeah, it's just getting rid of those barriers so you can get your your knowledge, your content into more of the right people's hands. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's easy because a lot of us have taken courses and we've really never had to think about, well, what if I consumed content differently? It's great that you even had people that came to you or your clients and said, I want to take this course, but I can't do it. And it really, you know, it makes you think about all of these other things that you might have to consider. For sure. And once you start thinking about it, even just a little bit, it like snowballs and it's just, you start to connect all the dots and realize all the barriers that are there that aren't obvious to you. And then, yeah, it just opens up the world of, oh, if I did all these things, (laughs) everything would be awesome. All right. So we talked a little bit about this, but what are the benefits of having an accessible course for both the students and for business owners who are going to be putting forth the extra time and effort to to create this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously, like for the students who might have those barriers, your material is now available to them where it wouldn't have been before. And especially if you're teaching something like really specialized or really niche, there's a chance that you're the only option. And so if they can't take your course, they can't consume your material, they're just stuck. They have no other options. So now you're making you know, their life easier, their business better. And maybe that's an opportunity they wouldn't have had before. There's also a benefit for students who aren't needing help with those barriers. Because when you have someone who like can consume your content as normal, but there's all these other little things going on in your course. A lot of those, they just seem like extra conveniences. And then all of a sudden your course seems more valuable because there's all these neat little things that maybe somebody else doesn't have. And so now those things that are necessary to other students, they're still a benefit to all your other students because of that convenience. And then for business owners, of course, everyone is happier. And so when all your students are happier, they're going to spread the word. You're going to get better testimonials. You're going to get more referrals. And that means more profit. So it's kind of a a win-win 
for everyone. There's like, there's no losing side <laughs> to doing these things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have taken a couple of courses recently where um, I've noticed that they make sure they have captions on all their videos, which I love because I would rather watch things with captions so I can have the volume really low and not wake up my toddler when he's asleep. So even though I don't need them, right. you know, it's still a benefit for me. Yeah. And almost all of the things you can do to make your content more accessible, people are going to find that they're gonna like, oh, this was really handy. Yeah, I didn't need it, but it did make my life a little bit better. So yeah, yeah, that's totally common. Okay. So I know a lot of online courses are very video heavy. That's what a lot of the platforms focus on. That's how yeah. we've been taught to have courses. So let's talk about what we need to include to make those video lessons accessible as kind of, that's generally what people think of when I, they see an online course. Yeah, like I feel like these days, if you have a course that's not a video course, the impression is that you're like somehow out of date <laughs> or out of touch. But like if you just stop and think about, okay, if you gave your video say you have a video and you give it to someone and they open it up, think about the fact that they might not be able to get any value or any content out of it. Like just, it's completely useless. So what if people have hearing issues and that could be actual like physical issues in their ears, or it could be like audio processing. So do you need closed captions? Do you need transcriptions? Do you need both? right? Because some people, you need the um, transcriptions because they want to be reading it. Some people need to be hearing it and reading it at the same time. And that makes it a lot easier to absorb. So that's like one example. What about somebody who is just in an area with a really, really crappy internet? So now you have these videos that they're having to like stream and maybe their internet just can't handle it. Or maybe they're on data on their phone and now they're having to use up an entire month's data just to watch like a couple lessons from you. So in that case, you know, again, maybe transcripts are better. Maybe you offer audio versions because then they're not so bandwidth heavy. And that's, yeah, so that's not just crappy internet, but just not reliable Wi-Fi as well. And then, you know, what about people who aren't, native to the language you're speaking. So maybe you talk really fast or just fast enough that their comprehension of the language isn't quite good enough. But if they were looking at something written, they would totally understand it or they could pull out the words that they're not sure of and look them up. So I could probably keep going. There's so many things with video that are great, but that presents so many barriers to people and then and I'll mention one more <laughs> so what if you have a course that's like 50 video lessons long and somebody gets to the end of the course and they're like you know there was this one nugget at some point that I listened to in the last 50 videos and I didn't write down the details but I remember it was really really important I got to go back and find it in 50 videos how easy is it going to be to find that one thing that you said randomly in there? And so that's 
a problem that that video has that, you know, if everything was written out, you just control F and you find it. <laughs> but video can make it really difficult to go back and revisit your content. It's, it's almost like a one and done thing because somebody's, well, I mean, maybe some people are willing to go back and rewatch all of your videos all over again, just to find that one thing. But the majority of people just aren't gonna have time to do that. Yeah, I think those are all great things to think about. And so many of us just don't have to think about that. And we're, yeah. we're really leaving people out if we don't. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to know with the, do you recommend having both like the closed captions and transcripts for courses? My personal preference is to have both, you know, and because I'm like you when I'm watching a video, I prefer to have the captions on because I don't want the volume cranked all the way up for various reasons. It could be there, like there are other people nearby or I'm trying to be quiet or I'm on public, forgot my head, like my earbuds, <laughs> you know? So if I can just read along, but still have the moving video to keep my brain engaged and watch and reading the words as I go. But then if I need to go back later, uh, I like to have the transcript there. So I can scan to see if there were important things that I kind of want to pull out. So I know like not everyone's going to need all those, but my preference when I'm taking a course is to have both of those things. Okay. And it sounds like there are some people that are going to need one or the other or both anyway. So it's beneficial to have them. Do you know what your dream clients see when they come to your website? The only way to figure out how your dream clients are using your website and what makes them leave is to ask them. I've created a special UX test guide that you can get at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. Inside, you'll learn how to structure a user experience test to get the best results, 18 questions to help you really see your website through their eyes, and my favorite way to find dream clients to help you. You need to look at every stage of your client's journey from landing on your website to completing the final goal through their eyes so that you know what to change right now to start converting more visitors into clients. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. Okay, so you mentioned in there as your last thing to think about is how can people go back and find information. So let's talk about how we set up a course that's easy for people to go back and find all the information that they need, especially if it's a lot of videos or really long video lessons. Oh, <laughs> please, no more long video lessons. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of the points. It's like, okay, everyone make short videos. Because if I have to go back and watch a couple of videos and they're like less than 10 minutes, all right, I'll be happy. But if you uploaded something that's like an hour and a half and I have to sift through that, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, those short videos and make sure like your lesson names or your module names, however your course is set up, that they're just to the point and this is what this lesson is about. We don't need to be clever when we're naming our lessons. I guess unless you're teaching a course on like, comedy or stand-up or or something like that um, but just name your lessons the thing that they are and try to keep your your lessons focused on one specific 
topic or one specific learning outcome. Because then if you can scan, if somebody opens up your course, and the first thing they see is the syllabus or the outline of your course, and it's just all, this is about A, this is about B. And then it makes it so much easier, even if you don't have any sort of fancy like search functionality, to just scan quickly and know where you have to go. It's like a textbook that doesn't have a table of contents. Like people will riot. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the first, and I think the easiest thing that people can do is just, yeah, the short videos and then just make it easy for people to find stuff just with clear labeling and having that outline up front. I did kind of touch on the search thing a little bit. Um, if you do have a platform that lets your students search all the course content, um, that's always a bonus, but you just, you wanna make sure that you understand what it's searching. Because if you tell people, oh, it's you can keyword search my course, that sounds great. But you find out it only searches the video title and nothing else you've written, maybe not so helpful. <laughs> so um, you can, you know, you can get things that will search not so great. You'll get things that will search every word that you've typed in there. And then there's other things you can use that even will make your videos keyword searchable. That can be a big bonus if you have a like a ton of videos and people are going to be going back and revisiting them having that searchable video functionality can you know might be a game changer for your course okay those all make sense do you generally recommend that somebody have a syllabus at the beginning of their course or is just having like everything named really clearly and organized in sections enough i think I think sometimes they can be one and the same because sometimes just the front page of whatever you're using, it will be like an outline. Like you just set up your course and then that just becomes the outline, whether you want it or not. And that's what people see. I guess it depends on what, on what you're using to host your course. If it's easy to search, I guess, if people can see an outline or a syllabus right up front and they can just scan what they need, then the search isn't as important. But if your search function is really, really deadly, then people can use that to find wherever they need to go. But it's it's always good to have just one place where people can can see, okay, here's everything that's coming up. Uh, and so they, they kind of know what to expect as well. All right, that makes sense. Um, and it sounds like it really just depends on the tech that you're using and what's available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it can. Some people, this isn't really, well, I don't know if this would count as like an accessibility thing or just maybe like a learning style. Like some people kind of get anxious if they don't know what is coming up, like they don't know what the next lesson is. So just having everything there has other benefits to just setting setting expectations. Yeah. All right. So what let's talk about some alternate formats of lessons. Lots of people do video, but maybe you don't want to, maybe it's not the best option for the content that you're sharing. So what are some alternative formats that we can use that work well or might be appropriate in different situations? Yeah. So like video is really only necessary 
if there's something kind of like hands-on that you need to show people because it's a it's an online course you're not there with them in person showing them so that's like one of the few times where video absolutely makes sense and it would be not impossible but very difficult to teach like teach someone how to knit like <laughs> I've seen I'm not a big knitter but I've seen instructions and it's like I don't know, pearl this and do that. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. But if you were had a video that was like in slow motion showing me what to do, I would probably be okay. <laughs> so that's when video is good. When there's other times that like, yeah, you probably don't really need video. If it's just you as a talking head and you're just sharing information, maybe you do just do audio. Right. And we know audio is popular because everyone loves a podcast. <laughs> so that's a, a proven, proven content method. Maybe it's just transcripts or like a workbook, a detailed workbook that you've done up. And some of that too, it depends on you have to you have to consider what you're teaching and then also kind of where your strengths lie. Because if you are sharing a bunch of information that you're just gonna sit in front of the camera and talk, but you have a really terrible fear of speaking or you're very uncomfortable on camera, those videos, your students, they like they just might not be that great because you're too nervous or whatever is happening and you're not engaging with your students. But you write up a really nice workbook and it's beautifully designed and you kind of walk them through that. Maybe that's even better than if you had tried to force yourself to do the lessons, you know? It's kind of a funny, see what you're good at and what your what your students need based on the content you're teaching, find the common ground. <laughs> and then if you find that your students need need more, then you start to work up to that. But it, it's also about building your confidence. But yeah, like if you if you hate to write, and you're much better on camera, then that's awesome. Just consider that you might still need to get something written for your lessons to be accessible to other people. But um, yeah, definitely consider what your what the point of your lesson is, and then look at what where your strength lies, and then make your content based on that. That's great advice. I really like that this is a way for people to think outside of what they typically think of with an online course or what they typically see people doing in their industry and do what works for you and do what's going to work for your students, whether that looks like everybody else or not. Yes, one, 100%. Because like we all know, there's big names in course creation. And so everyone kind of aspires to have a course that's just like their course. And that seems to be like the the ultimate. If you have a course that's just like this, then you've reached like the pinnacle <laughs> of course creation. But you can be successful without having 10 modules with 20 videos and all the bells and whistles, you know, like you can still be successful without all of that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about supplemental materials and 
what kinds of things you see people spending time on and trying to include in a course that don't actually help our students get to the end or get to um, whatever it is they're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be a lot of focus lately on like your course. If you're, if you're putting out a signature course, this is what your typical price is. And to justify that price, you have to say, oh, all the videos have closed captions. They all come with transcripts. They all come with copies of the slides. Like they all come with workbooks. They all come with this. And that's, I think, how some people are starting to justify the cost of their course. The problem is, depending on your lesson content, what you're learning, sometimes those alter alternate uh, materials don't make any sense. <laughs> so, so it's getting used as a marketing tactic to make it look like, oh, your course is jam-packed with all this stuff, but some of it is useless. And so just as some examples, so like if I'm doing a video and I'm talking over some slides, but the way I've structured my slides is that it's like, oh, a, like a headline and then like one or two bullet points, but I'm talking in a lot of detail. And then I say, oh, I provided you copies of the slides. Well, that's not going to do anything for anyone because the slides only contain <laughs> like a handful of bullet points and no real meat. But I, I see that and people are like, oh, I've provided you the slides. And I'm like, these are useless. <laughs> like, where's the transcript? That's what I need. Oh, that's too much work. And I'm just like, really? Like, <laughs> so there's that. And then the thing I mentioned before about uh, search functionality, where people will say, oh, like you can keyword search the course platform, but they've uploaded videos and it has a, like a title, but they haven't put any description to go with the video, no bullet points about what is in that video. So when I'm keyword searching, I'm probably not going to find what I'm looking for because you haven't put any words in there for me to find. <laughs> so I see that happen. And then the other one, these are, I guess these are kind of a little bit like pet peeves, uh, worksheets. I always cringe when I see people have included worksheets because sometimes people put a lot of time and effort into worksheets, but sometimes it's just like the lesson title at the top of the page. And then the whole rest of the page is just like a square where you're supposed to write. And, and I'm like, this is supposed to be like material that's adding value to this. Like I could have just, I might as well just write in a notebook. So I'm like, you spent five minutes, well, probably more like two seconds making this, but it's not adding any value. It's not helping me out. So just little things like that. So if you're making supplemental materials, make sure they do actually supplement. <laughs> They're not just like a little add-on that kind of bulks up your course, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. And you said there, you know, for the worksheets, but any of this, if it's not adding value, then you don't need to spend the time on it. And your students don't need to spend the time trying to say, oh, well, you have this, so let me download it and figure out how it works and all of that to, to realize it's just a blank sheet of paper with a title on yeah. it. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk, uh, let's get into kind of the tech and platforms. Let's talk about course platforms, does the course platform matter when somebody is 
choosing how they want to host their site and they want to make sure that it's accessible? Are there some that are better than others? Or what are your thoughts and recommendations? Yeah. So my answer to this is always like, it depends or yes and no, because really we can make anything work. If you have enough time and enough know-how, even, even on a $0 budget, like you can make, you can get all these things and make them work together. It's just how much time or how difficult or easy is it to do that? Um, And of course, kind of the more popular course platforms, part of the reason why we're paying for them is because they offer convenience in us having to hack all these little features together. They have that built in. So it's not to say that you have to go with, like if you're really concerned with accessibility, I'm not saying, oh, you have to pay $600 a month for this course platform, otherwise your material sucks. Like it's not like that at all. It's just that platform financially, if that makes sense for you, it's gonna make it a lot easier for you to build in those accessibility features because some of them are gonna be built in. Some of them are going to integrate with other platforms because as they get bigger, they make those partnerships. So you have to look at, okay, can you actually afford it? And how much time do you have to invest in researching? Or instead of spending your time figuring out how to do all this stuff, do you wanna take that time and just spend the dollars on the platform that can make it easy for you? So it totally depends on where you are in your business. What do you need? Do you need to save time right now or do you need to save money? So like I said, a lot of, um, I was just thinking like of, of all the popular platforms that people would know about, like Kajabi, Thinkific, Teachable, uh, stuff like that. I know for sure, those three in particular, I know those more, like I think Podia does too, Artra and Groove, I think so. You know, so like kind of a basic feature these days is can you upload captions to your videos? Like that seems to be, this is a thing that is just standard to all platforms now. And so I'm starting to see like these accessibility features, they're becoming more normalized and those platforms are just starting to, they just build them in. It's just like, this is the thing that you have to do. And maybe they don't even think about it in terms of accessibility. It's just the thing that everyone wants. So yeah, like those platforms will all let you upload your captions, you know, which is probably one of the most popular (laughs) accessibility things that people tend to ask me about is the closed captions. So I think we're lucky these days, doesn't matter what platform you pick, it's gonna have that. But there are other things to think about, you know, like alt tags, if people are using screen readers. So if you have any images in your course or your descriptions or whatever, and you add in alt tags for those images. So that is something that is super common on website builders, Mm -hmm. right? You would, (laughs) but on course platforms, it's not quite there yet. Um, Like I know in particular, like Kajabi has alt tags on their website and page builder parts, but they haven't added that into the course part. So I was like, oh, and unsearchable, the searchable searchability, you know, the big ones all pretty much do basic keyword searching. But if you need to do like searching your videos, 
so far, none of those platforms do it, but uh, there's a tool called Searchy that you can integrate with your course platform that will let you keyword search all your videos. And so I find that that saves students a lot of time. Uh, so they don't have to go back and watch all the videos all over again. Some platforms, I find the, the much bigger, really established um, platforms that maybe your, your everyday um, solopreneur, small business owner wouldn't use like a, like a matrix LMS or something like that. They're so huge and established and they're catering to like educational institutions and things like that. So they're not, they're not always as up on, okay. So say if, is this site like mobile responsive, do they mm -hmm. have enough? <laughs> they might not be there yet. But um, so that's something, you know, if you have people that only have a mobile device or they just need a simplified layout so they don't have to like constantly zoom in to read things or, you know, sometimes like issues with scrolling, like horizontal scrolling sometimes is a problem, but vertical is a lot, <laughs> is a lot easier. So does your course platform, is it mobile friendly or it might even have an app? I know Kajabi has an app. The other ones, I don't think anyone else has an app yet, but I think I think that's on a lot of people's uh, roadmaps coming up. Just because course platforms are they're blowing up right now, obviously. Yeah, so I think those accessibility features they're going to start getting just built in more and more as time goes on because it, it's just a thing that happens. Like there was a time where sidewalks didn't have ramps for people's in wheelchairs like that was only in special locations and now it's just that's just how you build a sidewalk like mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think it's gonna it's going to uh turn into that yeah and I think it's definitely headed that direction not and because we know that it's important because we know it helps all of our students to have that. And so course platforms want to stay competitive. They want to be able to say, oh, we, we offer all these things. Mm -hmm. um, do you know of an easy way to like find out if the platform you're interested in offers these sorts of things? Because I feel like it's probably not on their like, these are our top features list. I know. Yeah, like you have to, because this is something like coming through feature lists, like that's something that I do because it can be so frustrating <laughs> and other people don't have time to do it. And so they're like, please help me figure this out. But I don't even think like if you were to go, I'm probably going to be wrong, but if you were to go to the feature page of, of any popular course and just see if on their just main features, they list closed captions for videos, it's probably not there. Like it's something that if you didn't think to ask about, you would just discover it as mm -hmm. you were doing your videos. Oh, closed captions, because that's how I found out about it. I was like, <laughs> hey, they have this now. <laughs> no announcement, no nothing. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things that you have to reach out to like their sales team or their support team and be really specific uh, about what you're asking for. Because of course, a sales team, their whole goal is just to say, yes, we can do everything and get you to sign up. So you have to make sure you're really, really specific about what you need uh, and then do that, kind of do that for your short list of platforms and just see 
be who can do the most of what you need. Uh, and sometimes they can't do it, but you can integrate something else mm-hmm. with it. So if the platform you're using like lets you embed code from other other places, then maybe that lets you add in that feature that you need. Okay. And do you have any tools you recommend for uh, creating transcript or captions of audio and video that you have created? Yeah. So right now I use Searchy because it can, it can do the closed caption files. It can also do the transcripts that I can download and the transcripts can be timestamped or not. So um, it's nice to have both of those sometimes. But before I used Searchy, because Searchy is fairly new, like new-ish. Uh, it's probably still like almost two years old at this point, but <laughs> new-ish. <laughs> but before that, and before that, I was actually using YouTube and it's completely free. And so I, a lot of people, I don't think they realize, like you can upload, a, if you set your YouTube account to automatically transcribe all your videos, you upload them, you give it some time. Usually it's, it'll take however long your video is. So if you uploaded something that's 15 minutes, it'll take it 15 minutes to generate the captions. And then you can correct your captions, but you can also download that caption file. And now you have a caption file that you can upload anywhere. It's not like special to YouTube. So that's what I was doing for quite a long time. And now I just happened to sign up for Searchy because it did all these other things that I wanted, but now there's a ton of things you can get to transcribe your videos. And you can also, you can always use a service. Human transcription will always be, will always beat AI, but the AI is getting really, really close. So if whatever your your course or whatever you need to talk about, if you have really specialized language, complicated terms, you might want to look at human transcription. So you can use a service like Rev is probably the most popular one. It's not the only one out there, but it's definitely the most popular one. But if you are kind of just using everyday common knowledge words, then all of these other services will get you like your transcription. They guarantee they'll say, oh, we guarantee 80% accuracy, but it's for sure higher if you don't have any like weird, complicated words or phrases. So besides searching, uh, there's water AI is a good one. But the one thing you have to watch, if they let you do a trial, you wanna you wanna take advantage of that trial and test it out to see how accurate the transcriptions are. Because I think the reason why it took companies so long to get into transcription was because that AI is quite expensive to develop. And so I think that's why YouTube was the best option for so long. Um, they have the highest accuracy, and it's because you know they have all that Google money pumped in there mm-hmm. uh, to help them figure that out. And now everyone else is starting to catch up. So yeah, you just do a quick test to see how accurate it is. And um, and then, yeah, just pick whatever option is most affordable for you or that has like the interface that you like to use best because then you're more likely to use it. All right, perfect. And I love the tip about YouTube. I didn't know that. 
So mm-hmm. I think for people who are trying to do this on a budget, that's yeah. a really good option. That um, yeah. sounds like it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very accurate. All right. So is there anything else we want to cover that I didn't ask when it comes to accessibility or any last tips that you have? Um, I, I think just in general, when we're thinking about accessibility, we have to stop thinking about, oh, it's going to be expensive to do because sometimes, a lot of the times with online stuff, it's actually free. It's just a little bit of time for you to implement whatever that thing is. Or even if there's a cost to it, it's something that in the end, like you're selling a product that includes that thing. So either you consider it a cost of doing business or you work it into your pricing. So yeah, I think we have to get over that that idea that oh, all these things are so expensive because actually a lot of them aren't. They just take a little bit extra time or you hire someone to do them and then they're done and it's a one-time thing. So that's, I think, my parting. <laughs> my parting statement, it's not as expensive as you think it is. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's a good reminder to people of, you know, this is just part of doing business when mm-hmm. you want to do it well and serve your clients and your students well. Okay, so as we wrap up, I always like to ask people, if you could recommend one thing to a friend, what would that be? Um, these days, the first thing that popped in my head was take a break, <laughs> which has nothing to do specifically with courses or accessibility, <laughs> but probably, you know, all of us trying to do business online, if you're making a course, take a break, have some rest. Like, I think some people these days think like, with everything that's going on, maybe they weren't working as much and they think, oh, I've, I've been lazy, I haven't been doing much but we're still quite stressed out. <laughs> so like to take a break, get your glass of water because you probably are dehydrated. Do a quick stretch because you've probably been sitting in your chair or laying on the couch all day. <laughs> uh, sitting, like sitting on Zoom meetings back to back all day. Uh, go hug a vaccinated family member, <laughs> a friend. Snuggle <laughs> your pet, like, just take a break, even if it's just like two minutes. I think we all need it. Yes. Great advice. Yeah. Okay. And then where can people uh, find and connect with you online? Probably the best place right now would be over on Instagram. Uh, so my handle is Brandy L. Good. And it's Brandy with an I for people who are listening only. <laughs> and if you click the link in my bio, I've got I've got a good library of resources that will help you with your online business work. And it's kind of just a big variety of, you know, articles, podcasts, tutorials, uh, recommendations that I have just about, you know, if you're making an online course, if you're starting a podcast, um, if you want to start live streaming on social media, or you need to know how do I make a video, um, how do I do like Zoom and Google Meet meetings? How do I do all this online stuff? When COVID started, I had so much demand for all of this information. 
I couldn't keep up. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to pop all this stuff. Every time somebody asked me a question or I had to make a little video tutorial for someone, I'm like, let's pop it into this resource. <laughs> and then the next 50 people who asked me the same question, I can be like, here's the link. Have fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I will definitely link to those in the show notes so people can check that out or they can find it in the link in your bio, like you said. Mm. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really glad that we got a chance to talk about this topic. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And this is, I like talking about this kind of stuff when we don't see it a ton. Yeah, I'm hoping that we will see more of it. So yes, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.